0: Talking drums, bringing extreme discussions from the world's top drummers to your ear holes. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now, with your host, Corey Hoffing.
1: Welcome to the War Talking Drums Podcast. As you might be able to tell, my voice is. A little raspy this past weekend, I played my first actual gig, first show uh, in the last two years, so uh, it was quite the time last night, and today spent the whole day with the boys Derek and Dylan, it was quite an excellent, amazing things we are working on and have in store for you. All that being said, this week is my conversation with Spencer Pruitt of Archspire. These guys are the most tech of tech bands, and their drummer is no exception. Spencer is absolutely incredible, and as as much as his drumming and technique is uh, insane, we talk a lot about life and, and what life is like for him right now. and. And what it might look like in the future. So, hope you enjoy this conversation. Here's episode 41 of We're Talking Drums with Spencer Pruitt. Spencer Pruitt, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast. How are you doing today, man?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Now, before we uh, hit record on this, we were talking about uh, all the vitamins and everything we we consume it. I know recently you you kind of uh went through some fitness training and stuff and got in some like ridiculous shape, man. So what was that process like and uh how how are these vitamins a part of your daily daily life?
0: <laughs> well, uh you know, like everybody, COVID was was rough. Uh and uh I spent about a year sitting on the couch playing video games and gaining weight, drinking beer. And uh, I was still drumming throughout the year, but, you know, all the gyms were closed and shit. And Mm -hmm. um, so when the lockdowns ended, uh, I was kind of like the first time I looked down and I realized I had gotten fat. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make a conscious effort to start maybe doing some jogging and some weightlifting and try and get back into sort of where I was before. Well, we had this music video, shoot coming up and we were talking to the uh the producer and he was like telling us explaining the shots and he told me the first shot of this video is going to be an opening shot of like you drumming with no shirt on so (laughs) I was just like holy fuck because I had like seven weeks to go so uh, I kind of panicked and I I hired a a personal trainer and um, I went down and did a bunch of sessions with him and then I just sort of, I paid him every week to just like monitor my weight and like give me a meal plan and adjust it accordingly. So it was pretty intense. I went from like, you know, maybe running uh, two or three days a week and lifting weights, you know, two or three days a week to like six days a week of, of, uh, weightlifting. It was six days of weeks of, uh, 40 minutes of cardio. Then this strict meal plan, you know, no alcohol, tons of chicken and turkey and steak and protein powder bananas some rice and basically yeah he just monitored my weight and kept me on it and i just stuck to it and you know it was really good having a having a timeline goal there um but uh, i don't know if i would do it again it was pretty intense like i became a hermit i couldn't go anywhere or see anybody or do anything because you had to eat like five meals a day and uh you know they were really strict i had to measure out all my food
1: yeah that's crazy uh,
0: It was so much work at the gym too, you know, like doing two hours a day there and then plus like three hours of drumming on top of that. So it was intense. So now I'm back to just like a normal schedule. I'm still going to the gym most days, but, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot more chill, no super strict meal plan anymore. And I'm allowing myself to drink once a week again.
1: Oh, nice man. Nice. Yeah. Like I, um, how, how was cardio for you though? Because when I got into, Working out and getting in shape and stuff. I got really hard into cardio just because it was a kind of an escape to get out of the house and I could just go go to the trail and run and like it was it was great. But uh, as of late, like I noticed my ankles and knees kind of started uh, (laughs) being in a lot of pain because I was running like five to ten kilometers every day. So like it got to be too much. And also as far as like. Uh, getting in shape, I found I wasn't losing any more weight. I was actually losing more muscle that by doing so much cardio. So like how much you said you're doing like 40 minutes of cardio a day. Were you like, how, how far would you be running then in that time? Like, would it be intense cardio or like light cardio for 40 minutes on top of your drumming?
0: Well, I I started out running outside. There's a really nice park just a few blocks from my house. Uh, But, um, you know, I'm practicing doubles every day. I've really been concentrating on that. And uh, that mixed with the drumming, I started getting some crazy knee pain, runner's knee. So I switched to uh, running in the gym uh, on the treadmill, which was a bit better. But I still had that crazy knee pain. And then I was talking to my trainer and he was like, elliptical, switch to the elliptical. So went on the elliptical, all the knee pain, all the, all the pain sort of just went away. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, and I also, also, I found I was losing weight quicker cause I feel like you're using your arms too, right? On the elliptical. So it's like, it's, you're, you're doing cardio with your upper body. I noticed like fat melting away on my upper body quicker oh, with yeah? it. Nice. But nice. pretty intense. Yeah. I, um, I, I tend to do cardio the same way I tend to drum, which is just like full speed most of the time. So
1: yeah, like all or you know. nothing.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, there's just something in my brain that always makes me want to go fast, and <laughs> it's, yeah. it's there for running for sure. So, so yeah, uh, and it's good, you know. You get that sort of runner's high like 20 minutes into it, and it's very addictive. And also, man, like quitting drinking for a bit and doing that cardio, like I, I didn't realize you could sleep that well. You know, <laughs> it was yeah, like, dude. just crazy deep dreams every night and waking up feeling refreshed and amazing, and um. Yeah. I mean, I recommend everybody give it a shot at one point in your life. Right before the actual shoot, um, for the video, I did this like water loading and carb loading process where I drank like, what was it? It was five or six. I can't remember now five or six liters of water a day for two weeks. Um, and then on the day of the shoot, you cut your water and, uh, and what that does is it basically sucks sucks it all out of your skin, right? It makes you look more ripped. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then for the last week, you cut carbs uh totally for like a week. And then for two days before the shoot, you load on carbs like crazy. And it's weird because your whole physique physique just goes completely flat. Like you've been working out, like I was working out for you know like six weeks at that point. I was starting to look pretty good. And then when I cut carbs, I looked like a little boy all of a sudden. Like it's it's crazy. You just you just go totally skinny and totally flat. You can still lift the same amount in the gym, but you just you can't see any muscles. And then you hit the carbs hard and you work out real hard. And I guess it just loads the carbs into your muscles and keeps them there for like two days. This is like what bodybuilders do to compete, right? Oh, you yeah. should see you should see my personal trainer. He's like a fucking monster. He's he's <laughs> so ripped. He competes in bodybuilding and stuff. So he had me. Trying that stuff. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't take that stuff as hardcore as, as maybe he wanted me to, but, uh, uh, it was fun. It was an interesting experience and yeah, I learned a lot of shit. And honestly, all this cardio and weightlifting and stuff, like my drumming stamina has like doubled. I can play for way longer now without getting out of breath. Yeah. You know, and like, I noticed, like I started taking uh, creatine too. And like, all of a sudden my muscles just seemed like they could go way, way farther for way longer. Like even just shit like riding my bike up hills and stuff. So I, I think from now on, I'm going to keep taking uh, magnesium and creatine on tour, uh, to stop muscle cramping and uh, you know, to get more longevity, because uh, I'm finding, as I'm getting older, you know, it's, it's getting harder to, to pull these songs off. And um, we've got this new album coming out, and you know, the tempo certainly didn't slow down.
1: No, it didn't, man. No, <laughs> absolutely not. So the the most recent single you guys released is "Bleed the Future," which is the title track off the record, correct?
0: Yeah, that song's three hundred and sixty. We do have one at four. The drums, the blasting is at four hundred. The bl- the yeah. <laughs> okay. It was like because I was I was screwing around with it, and I was like, you know, how fast can I get this? Obviously, and one day I was like, yeah, I can do four. It's pretty exhausting, but I can. I can hold it for a bit. And I said to the guys, you want to write a song at this? And they were like, right, but we're going to be playing half speed because yeah, <laughs> because like, we can't fuck play you. it for, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but actually it's, it's it works out. Cause it's like the drums end up being blazing fast. Uh, the guitars are, are half speed, but they still have like a, like a, almost like a, they're like in a cool groove pocket at that speed.
1: Yeah. Cause it, at like bottom. 200, 200 is still fast. Like it's not a slow yeah. tempo. Right. And then you're going double that, which is insane. Which is absolutely nuts, man. That's, dude, that's crazy. (laughs) So you mentioned in there that you were working on your double strokes. Is that because you're trying to push your BPMs even faster?
0: Um, I've spent like so many years working on blast speed. It's always been my focus. Yeah. I spent, uh, before the last album, I spent a lot of time working on switch blasting, which uh, for, I guess, people that aren't familiar with it, it's like, four hits uh, per hand on the snare and uh, back and forth. So it's like um, sort of the key to it is to like feather your first hit and get powers out of the three other ones per hand so that they sound even across. Yeah. So um, I spent a lot of time working on that uh, for Relentless Mutation and we wrote quite a bit of songs with uh, Switch Blasting being in there. Um, and then on this album, my... I put a lot more time into something that that I call the slow gravity, which essentially is like, it's a gravity blast, but it's, uh, it lets you push those speeds up even faster than the switch blast. It's got a bit of a different feel to it, but, um, you know, I've been, I've been working on it pretty hard for like 15 years and now I can, I can pretty much gravity louder than I can finger blast or wrist blast. Oh, wow. Um, so it's allowed me, it's allowed us to push those tempos up, but, I never really put a whole bunch of time into foot speed. So I had been fucking with doubles uh, for a little while, but never went too hard on them. And we wrote a song at 300 uh, for this album. And I just wanted to throw some really fast kicks into it. And 300 was sort of the limit that I was hitting where I could play fairly, fairly comfortably. Um, you still have off days, of course, but uh, uh, so yeah, so we got we have a show coming up uh, on Halloween. It's our first show, I guess, in two years, and we're gonna be playing the new songs. And we're playing this song that's at 300. And it's got a bunch of sixteenth note kicks in it. So I've been doing like, oh, about two hours a day uh, working on this technique. And I play through. I play through that song probably about an hour and a half a day. So I'm playing about three to four hours every day i normally take one day off a week yeah yeah um working on it but uh yeah i don't know i just i just went to victoria for the weekend to visit my family so i took four days off drumming and i came back and it was like taking a little break was like the best choice it was it was like everything locked in i could just play way better all of a sudden
1: it's crazy (laughs) how that happens right like you're you practice so hard and you get to a point where you're like i don't really think i'm improving you step away from the kit for like a couple days or a week when you come back, everything just feels, like, amazing. Uh, and, yeah. And it just locks in. That's It's crazy how that works. Yeah.
0: I was looking into that a little bit. It's called, like, neuroplasticity. Yeah. And it's basically, like, I'm sure most people are familiar with it, but there's, like, this window of practice for uh, complicated things, especially muscle memory, that most people have. It's about 25 minutes. Um. So just from like from research stuff that I was looking at, they were saying that basically, like, if you're trying to learn a complicated muscle memory thing, basically you want to spend, you know, about 10 minutes warming up and then you want to concentrate the next 25 minutes on the thing that's like your biggest priority to learn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: After that 25 minutes, it's really easy to start developing bad, bad technique from it. Um, but if you just spend that 25 minutes working on it and then move on to other stuff. You can come back later and like that's where people are getting like the most improvement in sort of their learning routine so uh i've been applying that to to doubles i'll uh i'll warm up i'll do my 25 minutes working on them and then i'll play through some songs and then i'll come back and work on it a bit more but since i started doing that it's uh, i've noticed like the best gains as far as like techniques go
1: oh yeah i also heard um with that when you're trying to learn something really really intense after you're done, you're like 25 minutes of learning, having a like a, a 20 minutes of meditation can really help solidify all of it into your brain and your muscles. So just literally sitting there and kind of like in silence and kind of like in a, a being awake, but kind of like having a nap so to speak you know and just like meditating essentially can really solidify that into your brain so it's it's really good for all the neurons or whatever is going on up there
0: right yeah I've never really tried meditating before but I listen to a lot of Sam Harris and he's always going off about the benefits of it um I, I find like I'll Like, you know, when you're playing, you're almost like picturing shapes that you're making with your body when you're doing certain certain techniques. Yeah. For example, when I'm doing doubles, I'm thinking that I'm sort of like my fish, my my feet are like fish, like salmon's flopping and I sort of like almost like a wave motion or something. Yeah. And uh, I find that before I go play, if I think a lot about those shapes that my body makes while I'm playing, that when I go sit down, it's almost like an extra added warm up to it you know or or right after you've gotten the technique if you think about it a lot afterwards it's very helpful
1: yeah man absolutely that's that's a great way to think about it too cuz you do need a mental warm up as well as the physical warm up in there right like cuz drumming is yeah. very much so a, a mental uh mental game uh, that you're playing with yourself uh, cuz just thinking about what you're doing beforehand can really really help your practice so absolutely yeah (laughs) that's crazy you think about salmon flopping around i know it's pretty stupid yeah
0: (laughs) it it just popped into my head like a few years ago and it's just always stuck in there for some reason don't ask me i'm I'm an idiot all
1: right so so this new record you guys recorded once again with dave otero at flatline audio studios in colorado yes sir did you guys go back because uh, Dean, Toby, and Ollie wanted to hang out with their long lost brother again? Is that <laughs> it?
0: <laughs> Another Baldy?
1: Yeah. yeah, it's funny seeing those studio pictures of you guys. It's just like fucking—he looks like he's a part of the band. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> like well, he's too tall. Those guys oh, compared to it? those guys, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's—I uh, mean, it's the classic metal thing, right? You either got a shaved head or long hair and uh the older we get the more mm-hmm. shaved heads you see <laughs> yeah oh that's for sure man yeah, yeah
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> but uh i mean we had such a good experience with him the first time and um he uh he he improved quite a bit i mean i i think everybody is really pleased with the production on the on the new stuff he's done a fantastic job yet again um and you know there's a lot to be said for like going back and working with somebody that you worked before because everybody sort of gets how everybody else operates and um it's really beneficial to like communicating ideas and parts and like i know the the, the first time we were down there with him recording he was pushing back on a lot of things uh like ideas that i that i had for drums and i i found it frustrating I mean, we were we were button heads a little bit on ideas and um the second time around that wasn't really happening because I think like he sort of realized way more like what my style was. And he was like, he's like, Oh, you you," like, for example, like you always do these like random pauses before a fill or after a fill or something like that. And he's like, that's just your sound. He's like, last time I was always pushing against it. He's like, this time I realized that's just like, that's what makes your drumming your drumming. So he's like, I'm not pushing it back against that anymore. And then also understanding that like a lot of his ideas were, you know, the he was a lot of the times trying to get me to pump the brakes on some parts being like, yeah, it's really intense. But all this shit before this was really intense. You need like to, you know, something a little more chill for this one part, just to add some more dynamics. And I was r- originally resistant to that idea because you, you sort of felt like you were pussing out if you, <laughs> if you weren't going full tilt, but mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of value in, in, uh, in that. And I think he was right. And so the, the next time we went back you know, I tried to be a little more conscious of the of uh, playing somewhat more dynamically, although maybe not f- totally dynamic. But
1: I will say, dude these these first two songs, um, as intense they are, there is a little bit more of a melodic feel, especially on "Bleed the Future." Like that whole like ending part, man. Like I, I for the first time, I kind of like got like kind of like chills from listening to it from a melodic sense of things. Right. Of like just get that feeling of like, ooh, you know, rather than like that intense feeling that you usually get from listening to an Archfire song. Sure. Like it was like it was like, oh wow. Like that it was it was really fucking sick. And when it kicks in, Oof. it goes exactly where I wanted it to go, which is fucking perfect. Right yeah, on. It was sick. Yeah. I will say though with um the the last record relentless mutation uh it was definitely a huge step up production wise for sure Uh, yeah and and even like the songs and everything it just like it it was kept uh it was a progression a natural progression of the band right uh and working with dave seemed like a a perfect fit um so that was amazing and then now this this new stuff just hearing the first two songs man Mm -hmm. is like Holy shit. He just took your sound and made it even more crushing and like more the drums to me sound even more natural, Mm. um, but still like crisp and polished for sure. But, but not to the point that they sound robotic, which it can happen a lot in technical death metal. Absolutely. That was a big trend like five, 10
0: years ago. Everybody was trying to get that mechanical sound out of their drums. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now like Dave has, has uh found a way to to make it like fucking laser tight, mm. but still natural. You know, like I can still picture you sitting there playing and he and and hitting those those snare rolls and those blasts and like I can I can picture it, which is good. You know, <laughs> a lot of the times <laughs> like you're just picturing the fucking easy drummer sure. midi track playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think
0: like you can <laughs> I don't know. People can sort of detect when something's kind of bullshit. I it's certainly easy for me nowadays, just you know, spending mm-hmm. so much time playing drums and like sort of and then touring with so many fantastic drummers and seeing, you know, the best of the best. And then sometimes you'll hear something on an album from somebody and you'll be like, mm, that doesn't pass the smell test quite right. But I mean, it's still I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's art, it's still cool and all. But you yeah. Know. I guess it depends on how much of a fucking elitist you want to be. Um, the the uh, the philosophy we, we've sort of had in the last three albums was that you're never really going to be good at everything that you want to be good at. So take the shit that you think that you're best at and try to improve it the most. And I think like with everybody trying to do that, it, it'll give your band like much more of a unique, its own sound. Yeah. Um, because I mean, there's so much shit like from drummers and bands that I love that I would love to to be able to do and put an arch by our song. But when I attempted, it sucks. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, doesn't work out. So you, you just sort of got to pick with what you think you're best at. And we wanted to make our songs more, a little more catchy and, um, a little bit more memorable, like have, uh a lot more emphasis on on flow between riffs and parts and sections. Look at songs as a whole, uh, as a whole. Uh, where before we used to just try to write the most crazy shit we could or most brutal or extreme. And we, it's still really important for us to be insanely intense and and obviously speed is a really big part of the band's sort of selling point. But uh, without sacrificing those 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 two qualities, we're trying to write more sort of catchy, interesting, better flowing parts and uh so we we the the writing process sort of evolved quite a bit on this one this time around we we would get together in the jam spot you know we were jamming basically monday to friday um and we would jam these parts out and these These ideas that we have, you know, somebody might show up with a riff and then everybody would put their input in on it and it would change and it would change and add this, maybe a pause here and blah, blah. And then we try to combine it with another one. And then once we got like three or four riffs together that we thought sort of flowed well, we would record it. And we got like a big flat screen in the jam spot so you can you can see all the recordings coming up. And. We would listen to it and we'd be like, wow, this riff doesn't really flow into this one. Maybe delete one, maybe copy paste one and put it next to each other and listen back to it again. We'd all sit there with our in-ear monitors listening to it. And then we'd sit on them for about a week and kind of try to absorb it, then come back. And a lot of the time, riffs would get canceled. They would get moved. Some would get extended. And like, we could also visually see on the screen, you know, where the hits lining up. And it gave us like lots of ideas for patterns because you could see emerging patterns visually on the screen.
1: So Mm -hmm. for example,
0: I'd be like, look at this. There's like, there's like a, a polyrhythm going here on the cymbals, like let's try to match the vocal patterns to this polyrhythm on when it keeps reoccurring on this part. So it let us like come up with all these sort of new ideas. And uh, because it's really hard when you're playing all these intense techniques to sort of objectively listen to the song because you're concentrating so much on, you know, holding your technique, not fucking it up or trying to play it tight or, or improve on it. And you're not really concentrating on how the whole song sounds. So Being able to play it back and listen to it and change it like this way, just I feel was a big leg up. By the time we got to the studio, most of the songs, it was actually our third time recording them because we had done them twice already in the Jam Spot. Um, And then of course, once you get to the studio, you have uh, Otero's ears, which is great. Mm -hmm. A a non-member of the band um, who's not necessarily as invested in the individual parts as maybe we would be for whatever personal reasons and uh it was like another good filter to have for writing these songs out so I'm, I, I'm i'm happy with how this new album turned out i think i think it's our best i know everybody says that when they put a new album out but i think it's uh it's gone through so many filters such a refining process and uh i'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out
1: yeah it sounds like you guys really uh kind of took your time with it as well uh, i find it crazy impressive the fact that you guys Jam these songs out in the jam space when you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, with most uh, tech death bands and everything, it's all written on computers. Usually, like you guys are 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 bringing it into uh, your DAW and and actually recording everything down, mm-hmm. but. The writing really happens like between all you guys in the jam space, and that's it. It's not like you're just like, oh, I wrote a riff and then send it off, and then I'm going to put MIDI drums under it, you know, and all that. Like, you guys are physically putting everything into it together, uh, mm-hmm. which I think shows in your music, man. Like, the energy and feel is just uh, alive in mm-hmm. it rather than a lot, of, like some tech death bands. It's kind of like more sterile, by feeling. numbers. Yeah. 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 Which is sick, dude. It's I important
0: it. because it's like, it also <laughs> gives you a better perspective of what's realistic to play live. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you might be able to pull something off, but then if you're absolutely fatigued afterwards and you can't play another song for five minutes, cause you need a break. Well, maybe you shouldn't put it into a song. Um, and also everybody has equal say on everybody else's parts. So there's been lots of like drum fills where like this, our singer Ollie was just like, no, I don't like that. And it's like, okay, well, somebody doesn't like it, so we're not using it. So the songs are, are really a sum of a, of a full group effort. It's truly not somebody is the writer in the band. It's everybody has input on everything. And it makes the process way longer. And a lot of the time it's very frustrating because you'll have everybody stoked on one riff or one part or one vocal pattern. And one person fucking hates it. And there's nothing we can do to change that person's mind, so we have to fucking scrap it and work on something else. And so it gets really frustrating, but it's it, it's such a great filter. Uh, generally, if five guys are all pumped on it, probably metal fans will also like it too. So I think yeah. you know if we ever get any sort of major lineup changes, you'll probably see uh, start hearing a difference in the band because it is truly a sum of everybody's input.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And like you guys that I think that's what makes up the Archspire sound and what makes it so unique, like because of the players that you have, all of you are at the top of your game as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Right. Like everything down to Ollie, man, like that yeah. guy is like he's so far above every other vocalist I've ever heard. It's so insane.
0: Well, we've come up with a a really good system for that. You know, when we play live, we play with, obviously, in your monitors. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What we're hearing in our monitors is actually ourselves and then the rest of the tracks. So ourselves live, we're hearing that. And we're hearing the tracks from the album. So we're actually not hearing each other on stage live. We're hearing the stems uh, from the other instruments from the album, plus the click track. So... You're basically training all the time to like a perfect version of the, of the music. And if something's off, it's you. So it's great for training your brain to, to improve. And for Ollie, he's got the click very loud. And he also has a little bit of his studio vocals in his left ear. So when he's practicing this all the time, his brain is tracking that and is, you know, and he can tell if he's getting off of what it actually is on the album so we've been using this for uh, god i don't know seven years we've been doing and it's just such great training for a vocalist and 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 then the way we're writing too with you know visually looking at the patterns we, we write all the vocal patterns first after everyone's satisfied with what the vocal patterns are he has this massive job of going in and fitting the lyrics in and he's got all sorts of rules you know like the speed rappers use like certain syllables just don't work at certain speeds so if there's some part where the snare is blasting and we've decided that the vocals and the snare are going to match up, now his scope of lyrics that he can use shrinks dramatically because there's so many syllables he can't shove in there. They're just too long for those speeds. Yeah. Um and so the combination of like training to this gear and sticking to these rules has like really accelerated him to sort of, you know, put him ahead of the pack in that in that style that he's doing in my opinion yeah. anyways.
1: That's crazy. And like again like with um with your your process of writing and you're visually seeing things and using that as a writing tool as well you're yeah. not just audibly listening to it and being like oh we do this that no like having a visual cue for for certain elements and everything and then being able to put your vocals and write your vocal uh melodies to that mm-hmm. is is a super unique way of yeah. going about writing. And I think again, that's what gives you guys the upper hand on on being having a unique sound within such a uh saturated type of uh genre, subgenre of 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 metal these days. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking it's crazy, dude. And one thing I noticed uh on the the song Golden Mouth of Ruin mm-hmm. was you you do these buzz rolls mm-hmm. uh, during the one part. And it, I found that to be like super impressive. The fact that you, you took that into like the tech death, because I I don't think I've ever heard a drummer use that kind of technique. Um, Are you talking
0: about the one handed drags on the snare?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, you, yeah, know, just, you know, to be totally honest, I ripped that off of flow. He was doing that in whisper supremacy.
1: Oh yeah, to, yeah. To be honest, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flow Kurtovsky would do that. That's, yeah, that's where I heard yeah. it,
0: and I've been yeah. doing it for maybe about five years, throwing it into the song is What's I like throwing? I like throwing that in between, like the really kick, uh, the really fast kick blast, though, and then doing it with your hand. So you're going back and yeah. forth. So you can play almost these sort of like fairly simple rock beats, but each each hit on the kick is actually four really fast blasts and and, and each yeah. snare hit is actually four actual real quick bursts. And it just ends up you getting this really thick, meaty sort of complex sounding pattern out of something that's actually relatively simple. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and then we try to quite often match the vocals up to it. And...
1: Yeah. That's, dude, it's so cool how you guys um, operate and everything like that. Uh, I did have a, a question. I did I wanted to get the juicy details on this. And it's changing paces a little bit. Um, I heard uh, through a a mutual friend of ours Uh about a story Uh uh, that involved a seagull and a pizza in
0: your apartment. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) When did you hear this story? Like really recently? Uh, like
1: relatively recently, yeah, yeah.
0: Like in the last few days, recently.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when did this happen? When did this happen? And can we get all the details on this seagull in your apartment? How how did this even come to be, man?
0: <laughs> Who the fuck were you talking to? Okay, so this weekend I was visiting my folks in Victoria, my family, and on yeah. Friday night I think I went out drinking with some friends and I went to a house party. And I think I told, I don't know. I was kind of juiced up to be honest. I don't fully remember it, but I think I told the story to somebody. So you obviously know somebody who was at the party or something. Is that what, is that where you got it from? Oh, you, I, you're not going to tell so. me.
1: <laughs> I'm not telling you, <laughs> Come on, come on.
0: I used to live, uh, on the 14th floor of uh like a high rise in Victoria in my early twenties. And, uh, I didn't like to cook. So I ordered pizza all the time. And, uh, I was so fucking lazy. God, I would like order a pizza and I wouldn't even put it in the fridge. I was so fucking lazy. You know, I'd like eat half of it and then I would go practice. And, you know, I'm on the 14th floor and, you know, it was summertime. So I'd leave my my door to my balcony just wide open. And, you know, it's right on the ocean there, right? So we've got hella seagulls everywhere. And uh I remember just coming in one day after practice, and I had left, you know, half a pizza on my coffee table. Well, these seagulls had decided to, to fucking come <laughs> right into my apartment and shred this pizza. I mean, it was like all over the table, all over the carpet, all over the couch. There was like a clear path of pizza shrapnel all, all the way to the door. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so bizarre. Okay. I, you know what? I don't even remember who I was telling that to this weekend.
1: Fuck. Dude, I used to do the exact same thing, though. Um, when you're in your early 20s, you know, like... You got like your first place or whatever. Yeah, you're ordering pizza all the time. Fun sure. Cooking. Yeah. You know, especially Lazy. like you're working a job plus sure. you're, you know, you're you're jammed with the band a couple nights a week. Like who has time to cook? <laughs> you know. So <laughs> you just leave the pizza on the counter. Then the next morning you wake up. Perfect. Yeah. There we go. Or you know? the
0: seagulls ain't got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the seagulls. Get it. Oh jeez, I got oh. I got a good story. A, a few years back. We were touring down the West coast of the U S and, uh, we were, I think we played a show in Hollywood and, uh, at the, we had the next day off. So Ollie and I decided that we were going to go out drinking, go to these clubs or whatever and, you know, check out Hollywood. So the whole band was going to someone's house to stay there. And before, before we said goodbye to everybody, we got the address of the house And so we went, we went out and we went drinking, blah, blah, you know, it's two or three in the morning. We decide, okay, well, it's time to go back to the house. So we get into a taxi and we um, give the address to the driver. Well, the driver looks it up. He says, well, that's, that's no address in LA. Oh, can you check it again? He checks it again. Nope. Okay. Sorry to waste your time. So the plan is let's get out of the taxi. Let's call the guys, you know, wake them up, get the actual address. We get out of the taxi. Ollie and I are talking and I realized, oh, fuck, I've dropped my phone in the taxi. So the taxi just takes off. So oh, fuck. Ollie, Ollie didn't even have a phone. This is back before we, we actually made money with Archbibus. So we were hella poor, you know. So anyways, the, the taxi drives off. Ollie's got an, an iPod shuffle. It does have Wi-Fi ability, but it's got like 5% battery. Uh, <laughs> but no maps or anything, right? We, we can't tell where we're going. Yeah. So we come up with this plan to turn his iPod off until we find like a Starbucks or something and then try to get a hold of the guys. Well, we can't find any spot. We are walking around for hours. Finally, we find a Starbucks, but it's closed and the Wi-Fi is turned off. So we're like, fuck, we got to wait until tomorrow. So we're walking around Beverly Hills and we decide, well, let's walk up this crazy hill and go, you know, see if we can get a view. So we're going up this tiny little street, and there's these, you know, multi-million dollar crazy houses everywhere. And pretty, it's pretty bonkers. We get to the top of this hill, and you can see this like, you know, 360 view of Hollywood and LA. And we're sitting down, there's like an old couch there. You know, it's probably got bed bugs, so we're not touching it. But we're sitting on the grass next to it, looking around. Oh, next thing I know, we're both waking up because we're so drunk that we had passed out on the grass. It's freezing cold. You know, it's like you wake up and you feel like you're going to die. You're so cold. And I look over and Ollie has gone and he's unzipped like one of like the, the mattresses for the, for the couch. And he's wrapped, he's put his body into it and he zipped himself up. So he's just a head sticking out of it. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, dude, what are you like, fucking get up? There's probably bed bugs all in this fucking thing. He's like, I don't care. I'm so cold. And so I'm, I'm trying to convince drunk Ollie to wake up. And finally I get him up and he's freezing. He's sort of giving up and I'm like, all right, let's go for a run. Let's move around. We heat up, you know, finally we walk back down to Hollywood. The sun starts coming up. Ollie's got like 40 bucks left or something. I went to go to the bathroom. I didn't have any cash. So we were having to rely on the rest of his money. I go to the bathroom gas station or something. I come out and he's got a case of beer and I'm like, Whoa, what's up with the beer? He's like, yeah, I figured, you know, we might as well start drinking. It's like, well, fucking, what are we going to eat? Like, what about the taxi? And he's like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll take, we'll take a taxi now and uh, we'll, uh, we'll just drink all day. Well, we started drinking and we were walking around you know, the shopping district in Beverly Hills, drinking in all the alleys and stuff, you know, getting, getting mean mugged <laughs> by everybody. We can't find fucking Wi Fi. We can't. We try to walk to Venice Beach. Uh, It's like we walk for like hours and hours. We're getting terribly sunburnt. We've got no food. We're fucking wasted. I think somebody picked us up. We ended up at the beach. I decided to go swimming for some reason. And I got stuck in the riptide and I got like pulled out to the ocean. and (laughs) And these fucking lifeguard had to like pull up in a Baywatch truck and come out and save me and pull me. It was just like a whole fiasco. By the time we ended up getting back to the house, we were like malnourished, Super dehydrated, burnt, fucking lobster red sunburnt. Like all he was barfing. He'd passed out and given up on someone's lawn at some point, and I had to like pick him, fireman lift him up, <laughs> and like, oh my god, it was a fucking nightmare. Oh. So we made a rule after that that you know we're we're double checking addresses if anybody's separating on tour again because I mean if we had a show the next day we would have been completely fucked.
1: Oh yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, dude, you, you could have been completely fucked either way because even if you don't have a show, like, that could be a serious driving day, too. That exactly. Need. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you just, like... Oh. Dude, that's that's almost like a, a nightmare on tour, especially being, like, the other side of the country and you're just... You're yeah. lost and you have no no yeah. idea. No. But...
0: No communication <laughs> with anybody, no money. LA is so know. massive, too. It's not like... I don't know in Vancouver here we have like the mountains. So you always have like a visual reference as to where you are, but like in places like, like yeah. that I'd look around, I don't know where the fuck I am. It's just like a big yeah, grid man. down there, you know?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. They got highways everywhere. Yeah. Like all around it. Like, yeah. are you in North Hollywood yeah. or like no idea, no idea, no idea, man. Yeah. that's so, crazy. that was bad. There
0: was, a, there was another tour we did where we, we were playing a show in Portland and we went to a, Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse took us to a bar and I got really drunk and was dancing for some reason. I don't dance, but this is how wasted I was. And I, I guess I danced for like three hours. And like for the next week, my my legs were so sore from fucking dancing. <laughs> Bro, I asked dancing. our sound guy to turn my kicks down front of house because I could barely fucking drum anymore. Stupid. Uh, yeah. All
1: from dancing, man. Just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> fuck
1: you know you hear guys like uh you know getting too drunk or like doing this and that on tour but no dancing Dancing, yeah and that's what killed it yeah and then everybody
0: in the band just ripped into me for two weeks for dancing so
1: yeah Yeah, it happens yeah (laughs) you always there's always that one night on tour where you're like let's go to the club sure you know yeah always right the dance club and then everyone's fucking wasted and dancing up a storm and Ah, uh, good, good times, good memories. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: it's fun. The next day always sucks. Always,
1: always sucks. You're like, why did, why did we do this? <laughs> why, why don't we put ourselves through it? But hey, man, you, you got to You got to have those experiences on tour, man. For sure. You know, like you see a lot of bands these days and even tours I've been on with other bands and literally they're just on their phone the whole time. Yeah. You well, know, backstage. Is- yeah. Like it, it's like
0: sitting man, in the green room, looking it, at your phone is a lot of, is a lot of actual touring, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. But like, man, it sucks because like, enjoy these, these times, man. Cause you don't know when you're going to get to do this again yeah. and, or if you will for that matter. Right. So every tour you're on, like just fucking enjoy it. Like for me personally, now I don't drink anymore. I quit drinking a little over a year ago. Oh, so good for you. And I don't, I don't plan on, on going back to it, but like, dude, there was no way I was not drinking when I was touring before. Like that was just like a part of the experience of being on tour, right? Having those Mm -hmm. brutal drinking nights. And we, we actually scheduled our rehearsals on Sundays um, for many, many years because we would get drunk on Saturday and then we would have to practice hungover. So it was like practicing for tour <laughs> every every single week, man. That's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. It's like, okay, I got to get my shit together. Like, all right, get up and like, make sure I'm hydrated for rehearsal. And then we go through the set and hopefully you're good to go, man.
0: That's it. <laughs> That's crazy. That's, uh, I, I found drinking is the most difficult to avoid in Europe because you've got that big tour bus and the venues provide you with just crates and crates of beer and, you know, a bottle of whatever whiskey every night. And after you play, you get back on that bus and everybody's so amped up from the show. You're all sitting in the lounge and there's all this basically unlimited beers. And it's just so hard to be like, okay, I should go to bed. I'm going to go to bed now because everyone is like, Whoa, yeah. you know, the, the adrenaline from the show is still there in in touring in in north america it's like well i gotta sleep in a shitty van tonight so fuck yeah. i guess i'm gonna try to just go to bed now or sometimes i mean i still drink but <laughs> I'm, gonna yeah. I'm gonna try i'm gonna try to drink way less on this next tour we got coming up because jesus christ i'm almost 40 you know so i don't know how much longer you can do it
1: yeah, I'm. Sh- I'm sure you'll have a couple good nights though. For sure, there's always there's always a couple here and there, but of uh, and a couple post show beverages. You know, it's it's a good way to wind down and like you know prepare yourself for bed. Because I I used to find if I didn't have a couple beers before bed, I would just be way too amped from the show. Yeah, well, I mean that's you know?
0: alcoholism, right? I'm getting dependent on that shit. I've been there before too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's right? like. Uh, you just sort of kind of got to wean yourself off. Like, like if on the tours where I don't drink every night, it's actually easier on the tours where you end up drinking every night. I find you crave it more, which I guess is just regular old alcoholism, but it's, you know, yeah. if I go three yeah. nights drinking a beer on that fourth night, I can't sleep. Cause my brain's like, what are you doing? Drink beer. You know? Yeah. And come uh, on,
1: have a beer. Then you can go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That's it's, it's madness, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm really glad that I'm, I'm off of it and I'm feeling way more productive now. And good for you. It's great, man. Cause, uh, the, being in lockdown and everything, mm-hmm. uh, dude, I was home and just drinking every day, every day. <laughs> yeah. So eventually I was just like, nah, this has got to stop. I'm not doing anything anymore. You yeah. know, like 2 PM comes and I'm like, ah, oh, it's a beautiful sunny day by the pool. Might as well start having some beers yeah. and that turns into like yep. a dozen and you yep. know yeah it's really easy to fall fall into that kind of like tour life mentality even though you're just at home
0: lockdown <laughs> like for for me it was you know because i couldn't see anybody anymore we we were really strict about our lockdown we uh you know we didn't see anyone um and on, yep. on friday nights Normally when I'd meet up with my buddies, you know, we'd go down to the ocean here and have some beers or something, but we couldn't do that. So we would log into PlayStation Network together and we would play these games together with, you know, the headphones on and we'd all still just be drinking beers like we were chilling yeah. together. But we're, just, you know, just playing these video games together and, you know, everybody being locked down. It went from, you know, Friday, Saturday night to like most nights. That's how we hung out. Yeah and uh (laughs) you're sitting on a couch you're not moving around you know and uh holy shit it was just like sort of right near the end of lockdown there's one day I went to go like I was trying to figure out like a technique that I was working on and I went to film myself just to see what I was doing wrong or something you know seeing if my technique was even and I was playing with no shirt on and I was like holy fuck it's been like a year since I looked down (laughs)
1: like I
0: fucking gained so much weight I was like straight up embarrassed so, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, that never happens again.
1: Yeah, you're like, all right, got to cut cut the beers out, hit the gym. Yeah, like, yeah. I I had the same thing too, and then more recently started taking it a little more seriously because I was like, fuck, I'm not really, I'm not losing the amount of weight that I want to. So I got to like, it. I always heard like it all starts in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> for sure, your diet is the biggest thing, and that's one thing I never really took as seriously. It becomes more more consequential
0: as you get older for sure. Yeah. When you're young, you're in your twenties, you can lift weights and pretty much as long as you're getting protein. Well, for me, anyways, I didn't even need to do cardio. I was skinny and and muscular. And then as you get older, the body likes to collect that fat, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. You just get swollen. Yes. (laughs) yeah man but i noticed it as soon as like even one day back into a diet uh i noticed a difference Right. uh so and even in like my mental health as well for sure that's a huge part of it you know yeah it's massive um and like for for years i i struggled with depression and Mm -hmm. and everything and it's hard to get out of um so i I know it's changing my diet and exercise, mm-hmm. uh, having those as set routines yeah. is crucial to, to me, like being able to get shit done. Right. You know, cause even, even before this, um, I might've like canceled this, this, uh, this recording like 20 minutes before, because I was just like, nah, like I can't mentally, you know, get out of bed or anything, right. you know? So, or but now lover. it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly man uh so do you guys still have this european and uk tour lined up
0: for december there's been many times where we thought that we didn't but it appears again that we still do so excellent um for a while it seemed like only the uk the netherlands and denmark was going to let us in um but of course germany is the biggest market in europe and without germany it's It's hard to make money um so we weren't sure what was going on but it appears in the last few days that germany has said come on in so as i as far as i can tell and as far as we can all tell and we're prepping for yes we're we're still going but you know as the last two years have shown it's all so fucking unpredictable like who knows you know, but yeah, man. all we can do is just plan for it. And if you, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I'll get pushed back, whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I, we're at such a weird time now where it's like, well, we're pretty much everyone who's going to get vaxxed is vaccinated. And there's still a whole bunch of people that are not, of course. And mm-hmm. they're getting, you know, they're the ones mostly getting to the hospitals mostly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> we, what's the decision here? Are we going, are we just going to fucking open up and like try to let the vax people go back to normal or are we going to just, you know, keep with all these crazy restrictions for those who don't want to get vaccinated don't end up in the hospital? It's like, I I don't know. I'm certainly not qualified to make a real judgment on where the balance is there, but I feel frustrated and I want shit to just fucking open up again. I think if you're not vaxxed and you can't get in because you don't have a, a card, then so be it. I got, I'm, I'm vaxxed. I got my card. Everyone I know has got their card. They're vaxxed. Like, let, mm-hmm. let's start shows again. Let's start fucking tour again, man. I'm, you know, I don't know. I, maybe I would have a different opinion if I was a nurse or a healthcare worker or something, but
1: yeah, probably. Yeah. And like, I'm the same way. I never, I never really took a hard stance either way. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, And honestly, I, I've had several offers for gigs come in over the last month and I'm actually playing my first show since lockdown hit, We're um, on. this coming Saturday. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And it's all because this, the drummer of this band didn't want to get vaccinated. Uh, so I got the call and the, I'm like, okay, that that's cool. I can help you out. So yeah. we have rehearsal tomorrow, then show on Saturday. And, uh, that's that. And then I have another band uh, that I've played with before their drummer. Same thing. Um, <laughs> wow. So, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting calls left and right. I want to start. up. I was actually put a post up about this. I want to start up something where I can just train drummers to play for other bands and then pair them up with the bands that <laughs> <laughs> want to get me to do it. Because I'm like, fuck, dude, I, I can't physically play for this many bands right. that need drummers yeah and i don't know what it is with drummers that don't want to get vaccinated but
0: that's great i've not really experienced that over here i i only know one person that's not vaccinated here and he's he's in his 60s and he's a little bit of a conspiracy guy and literally everybody else yeah is, is, is yeah. all in you know so i think yeah man i guess it's different across canada
1: yeah, I I've known of uh several people here in Ontario and and stuff that uh, don't don't really feel comfortable with it yet. Right. And I'm hey man, to each their own. I'm not going to tell you any different. Sure. I'm not qualified to do so. Sure. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> That's smart. it gets yeah. me more work, more work right now anyways. <laughs> well, so. we had a
0: uh, we have this show coming up uh, on Halloween here in Vancouver mm. and it's it's a big show. It's totally sold out. And we had hooked up a friends band they wanted to open for us. And we said, sure. Well, they ended up getting kicked off the bill because half the members are apparently pretty, pretty strong into the anti vax culture. And oh, uh, wow. I think the band actually split up as a result of it because they were like, well, how the fuck are we ever going to play shows if you guys won't get vaxxed? And uh, so they were done. So there is. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it's causing so much division, but I don't know. How else do, can we move forward? I don't fucking know.
1: Yeah, I I honestly I don't know either. Um, uh, it's hard, man, and I see all these people on, on tour in the States and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's Man, it's scary. Like, uh, you know, like Unleash the Archers, also from uh, Vancouver, right? And they're in in the in the states right now mm-hmm. doing a tour. Everything, like, almost every single show is sold out. Yeah, all um, shows like, shows
0: are sold out right now because everyone's so thirsty for shows. It's awesome. Yeah, you are seeing sold and out on the, like every fucking tour poster right now.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. but it's also a little scary because. <laughs> In the states, they don't have the same restrictions, so I just like hope the best for uh, all my friends that are that are touring down there right now, and uh, I I pray all those tours like keep going and keep moving, and everyone's being safe. Because uh, yeah,
0: I understand it's quite different from state to state, uh, the sort of regulations that they have. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like the, of course the South is open, and then like the North is more restricted.
1: It is it is different. And uh like even even here is uh cause province to province is very different and you guys have like specific BC cards uh for being vaccinated. We don't have anything like that here.
0: Oh, you so. don't? I thought that you guys implemented something yesterday. I thought the vaccine passport came in yesterday for you guys.
1: It is, but literally as far as I'm I know, yeah. um You just have to show proof that you got vaccinated twice, right? Okay. It's not like a physical card. It's just you get an email after you've gotten vaccinated and and you just have to show that, right? It's the same That actually
0: can work here too if you're not a resident. So, for example, I have a good friend from Germany who had tickets to come visit me right at the beginning of the pandemic, unfortunately, which got canceled. Mm -hmm. And uh, now he's flying in, in in like three weeks. And we were like, "How does this work?" Because he's fully vaxxed, but it's like, you know, we have these BC vaccination cards if you want to go to a restaurant or whatever. So I, I looked it up, and as yeah. long as you have like an email or something, like he he has something from the European Union saying he's vaccinated, they have to accept that here as well. So I suspect that that's probably the same all across Canada. But you not yeah. I don't not really seen any tours across Canada yet.
1: No, surprising. No, well. <laughs> Honestly, who wants to tour across Canada in general? <laughs> like, oh, I love touring across Canada. <laughs> oh, you don't man. like it? I I don't know. I oh, I think I've, I've I've experienced those that drive across the prairies enough times for so. sure.
0: The long drives <laughs> suck, but the yeah. there's some great cities to play in. Man, like Edmonton is always just a fucking banger. Those they, oh yeah, They they, oh, they love coming out in Edmonton, and you know Calgary's always good. We've had some killer shows in Winnipeg. Um
1: i have not winnipeg has never been good it, it <laughs> um, took Regina, years before though. we had
0: our first good one but they're pretty consistent now that's uh, a good town yeah yeah they got some some good turnouts there and like they like to buy everything all the merch you know oh yeah and, yeah, yeah. Uh, thunder bay is always the problem but yeah the middle of canada is a very very long drive but you know whatever Fucking tour sucks. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I do.
1: I do. <laughs> I do love playing those small towns when you can get in like to like if you can get in in uh, Thunder Bay or yeah. even Timmins. Timmins has always been a fun time when we can make that happen. Timmins. Where's yeah. that? Timmins. It's um further to the center of Ontario. Okay. So when you go from like Winnipeg, it's like almost directly across. Okay. Um. It's a little further south than than Winnipeg, right? but uh
0: yeah, okay. you just
1: take a a different highway than um go in the, oh, the number Thunder one route. but uh yeah, it's about twelve hours north of Toronto, you know, like directly north
0: when when we very first started, like the very first sort of quote unquote real tour we did was like a, a self headliner across Canada in a van. No yeah. bands with us, local bands opening every night, you know, we broke even or something like that. And I thought, God, this is what touring is. This is weird. Then, <laughs> then as we got bigger and started touring other places in the world, you're like, Oh, okay. This is way easier because people, the populations live closer together and there's more people, you know, Canada's got a relatively small population. Yeah. Um, But it gave me uh like a really, uh, I feel like a, like a unique perspective of Canada and, and how cool it kind of is. Like, I remember last time we played in Thunder Bay, we stayed at somebody's house. He lived like an hour north of Thunder Bay. So like the fucking middle of nowhere in the forest, he had built this house out of like junk. Like the foundations were all made out of like rubber tires and he had goats. And (laughs) it was just, you know, like what other job do you get where you get to travel around and have people that are really stoked on you and want to bring you into their house and show you a good time. And, you, you you get to see how all these people live in all these different places. And it's, you know, there's some people living in some true isolation in Canada and it's pretty fucking crazy to like talk to them and like figure out their mentality and their worldview and all that. So I, I, that's like some of my favorite shit of touring is, is like meeting people from all these, like we stayed with this dude once in Texas who was like pretty wealthy, very right-wing Republican, you know, brought out all these guns and stuff and, Oh yeah, quite a different mentality from sort of a a lefty Vancouver person like myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was so interesting just to sit down and 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 talk and sort of learn what makes them tick. And you know, you, you might fundamentally disagree on a lot of things, but it's interesting hearing why they think those things. And uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, that's probably one of my favorite parts of touring. It's just meeting all these these people from all these different places and. And seeing how they live and how they think.
1: Well, that's one thing about touring um on on like more of a not a local scale, but like as a smaller independent band Mm -hmm. is you're always searching for floors to sleep on. Sure. And like connecting with your fans in in that like close personal way. Once you get to the point where you're touring in a bus or anything like that, you kind of lose that that little bit of perspective yeah. uh and that closeness with your fans yeah. but those those first years of um like when we were going across Canada or man our our first tour was out east right. and i think we had 5 shows booked in 2 weeks wow that uh, sucks. <laughs> like sucks. <laughs> like absolute insanity yeah. um we ended up out there for 3 weeks cuz our we blew our engine Classic. before even getting <laughs> to our Our second show, we had Ottawa, and then we were like, um, we were making it out to Halifax to play a festival out there, and then I think we only had two other shows, but I think it was only four (laughs) shows total. Mm. Um, And we ended up finding uh, this uh, this couple that let us crash at their house for two weeks. Wow, that's generous in, in Moncton. Yeah. In Moncton. Well, we had had to get a new engine for our van shipped from Montreal and then put in. Oh, my
0: God. What a nightmare.
1: Oh, dude. Absolutely. It's probably the only like vacation I've ever really had. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I was in Moncton for two, two and a half weeks, I think. And then we had to drive the van all the way back. And we like had to rent a U-Haul to do the rest of the shows and like, it was a goddamn nightmare, right? <laughs> but we have that connection with those people for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah, we you, could always call them up and chat and, and see what's going on. And it's really, really amazing to have that just from, like, being in a band and <laughs> playing some shows. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You make you make friends all over the planet, you know. And uh, I, I found it uniquely uh, awesome for, for going on vacation because, you know, I'll go to some Country in Europe or something, or somewhere in the US, and I want to do something. So I'll go on my Facebook and I'll be like, Yo, any Archbire fans here want to show me some local shit or something? And then you'll always get people coming out of the woodwork. It'll be like, Yeah, there's this really cool restaurant you have to try, you know? And so you get these people coming and showing you around, and you get uh, the, the sort of local knowledge on on all that stuff that you'd probably miss, you know? You just see the touristy shit. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, it's so great. I mean, I remember there was a while I was I was seeing a girl who lived out in Washington D.C., and so I was going down there all the time. And she would go to work, and I would be like, "Hey, does anybody want to go to the gym?" And then some random her family like, "I'll come pick you up. Let's go to the gym." And it's like, "All right, I got a workout buddy for the day." It's like, <laughs> "Fucking sweet, man. Pretty sweet, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just shit like that.
1: Yeah, man. Works are great, dude." Uh, honestly, man, I think that's like a great place to end this chat. Wow. I want to thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks uh, for having shooting me. Shooting the shit with me for an hour. Like this has been a lot of fun, dude. That's catching good. Catching up. Haven't seen you in fucking years. Yeah. Uh, everybody, make sure you check out Bleed the Future. Do out... October 29th so pick up your pre-orders now this album's gonna fucking rip I'm fucking so pumped for it man so th- thanks again Spencer man this has been a pleasure alright dude thanks for listening to the show if you enjoyed this podcast please share with your friends and join us on Facebook on our We're Talking Drums community group page We love new faces and people joining our conversation about drums. Till next time, keep drumming.